tell something about your label, how it started. It's uh, a labor of love. I love the idea of putting out records. My label, and I choose everything that goes out on it. We were invisible. I couldn't figure out why no one wanted to put out their record. Like, how come there's no label interest? Labels I do not trust and I don't respect. It's a much more uh, commercial, corporate business. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the record industry. They could see how delusional we really are. And, you know, I've got this demo that there's no offers to do anything. And I knew a lot of bands like that. Let's make something that means something to us. We did do it ourselves. You're a, a teenager with disposable income. and We had the money, we had the tape. Decided we wanted to put the record out ourselves. Which, yeah, at the time, was kind of almost an achievable goal. We knew nothing about it whatsoever. There were several people who thought that we did not know what we were doing. So we said, how do you put out record? What is that? How does that work? Pressing records turned out to be fairly simple. You just looked in the phone book under record pressing. Here's a phone number. Call these people. We can cut the first 10,000 records we made. Even though we lose money now, we can't give it up because it's community property. I didn't select it. It was the art of necessity. Hey, hey, welcome to More Than a Label, the podcast that tells the story of DIY and independent record labels through interviews with label hosts and a selection of songs chosen by them that they feel best represent their label and exactly what they're trying to achieve. Episode two, how exciting. Thank you to everyone for checking out episode one. Um, we were able to raise over $70 for the Asylum Seeker Center in Newtown, which is just damn cool. $70 is $70 because of you. Um, that's $70 that they have to support uh, asylum seekers with food, with housing, with whatever they need. Thanks also to everyone for getting in touch. Words, comments on the Facebook, feedback, uh, personal messages. That was really, really humbling and so, so truly appreciated. So please keep that up. If you've got any more feedback, if you've got anything you want to say, any stories about any of our labels, please get in touch. I love uh, hearing from, from people. As promised in today's episode, we're doing a really swift 180. And uh, today's label could not be further from uh, the label in episode one. Uh, it's a label that I've admired for a really long time. Uh, and, and my admiration for this label only grew further and deeper uh, meeting the uh, label owner a few years ago now. So I'm really excited to be able to bring this to you. We, we did experience a few challenges getting this episode done, both at the time of recording. The Zoob Monsters showed up and, and played Havoc for a little bit in the middle then. We've had a bit of fun with that. And we experienced a whole lot of issues in post-production um, getting the music to you. But f as far as I'm concerned, it was totally worth it. And I hope you feel the same way too. Stick around for the end of the episode and um, trust me, it, it is absolutely worth it. We've got a great surprise for you guys. So let's get at it. This episode's label is a label of expansive, experimental and accomplished artists run by a principle and value-driven couple that consistently deliver super high-quality releases, both in terms of you know sound and production material and label owners that are super supportive of their suite or family of artists. I mean, in short, like this is a really grown up record label and a label that over the years I've just I've personally come to trust um, with my purchasing power, even with artists that I've um, never heard before, just trust their instinct and, and their, their musical taste. 
and a label that can ask people just to subscribe to it and that people will. Today I'm talking to Hobbledy Hoy Records founder Tom Mayacek. Tom, welcome to More Than A Label. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. I hope those words were okay. I think you should uh, you should get hired to write the bio or the or the about page. That was that was very flattering. Thank you. Okay. Well, that, that, and that, that is um that is the esteem with which I have have you know held Hobby Hoy for a long time. So it was a pleasure to share that. Take us back. So talk to me about um where does where does the Hobble story start? Sure. Um, principally. Uh, going to shows when I was about 13, the art house specifically in Victoria, um, seeing bands with, uh, with, with kids, not that much older than myself. And then learning that these people were putting on their own shows, putting out their own records and that it was so within reach and encouraged Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it just drove me down a rabbit hole that, you know, I was already, I was already playing music. Um, and I kind of just got behind the ethos and the, uh, the, the, the history behind it and, 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 and what was, what was coming forward and excited to see who was pushing what boundaries and so forth. And so, um, fast forward to, end of first year uni i decided time to do it wow i've been playing in bands for a few years yep so that like you know seven years later maybe or yeah so i was 19 so it'd be six yeah but um it wasn't a flash in the pan decision you know some labels come about like that that was a a really considered time of looking at that stuff and yeah well I've, I've, i've spoken about this a little bit before um Often when, when I'm working with artists, you've got one or two people who are the, I guess, the, 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 the driver behind that side of, of, of what they're doing. So um, whether they're compiling the artwork for the, for the show flyers or, or, or they're just kind of running logistics for the, sh- for, for the whole, whole operation or even just the guys that keep the cash in the bottom of their drawer right uh, and yeah. <laughs> the 50 bucks that they got paid and, and look we'll, we'll, we'll use that to uh pay for the next rehearsal studio or whatever it is right like the the the, the, the pseudo treasurer um i was always that guy in the band right, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. the organized one yeah 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 um and uh maybe it's because i was the drummer and i felt <laughs> like yeah. I needed to add value somewhere else, but um, and I, and I and I pick them from a mile away now when when I when I'm talking and working with people. There is um, one in every band, isn't there? At least, yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. They're, my, yep. they're my people. Yeah. Um, and I found myself gravitating towards that, and so with a with a friend of mine who, uh, whilst we were still in high school, um, we started a, a as you put it, a flash in the pan label. Did one release, and. Uh, learned some lessons and wound that up. And then uh, the next year I said, you know what, I'm going to do this myself. Um, wow. And yeah, look, humble beginnings, right? Like it was, it was nothing more than basically a, a tapping, tapping someone that I admired on the shoulder and said, I'd love to do a record with you kind of twisting their arm a little bit, <laughs> a yeah. little bit. Yeah. Um, and yeah, nothing more than 
what was basically a, a, a scribble on the back of a, of a CD um, and helping them out with what would, what would now be considered publicist and, and management duties. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. And I guess over the years kind of redefined what, success could be and, 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 and what I wanted to get out of it and, and aligned that to what the artists were saying that they were keen on and, and sort of getting that deeper understanding for all, all that it's worth playing in a band when you, when you're, when you're a teenager and doing DIY shows and whatnot. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's just one perspective. Yeah. And every artist obviously has their own ideals and their own perspectives. And so kind of gathering all that up and saying, well, how can that inform what I'm doing and, and um, how can we do something that's, that's going to be worthwhile? Yeah, that's really, really cool. I, I know that, um, that you, had to sell your, you had to sell your car to put out that first release. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, it was a choice, right? Like uh, I moved out of home when I was 18, bought a car because I went to country Victoria and thought probably going to need a car to, to get around and do uh do normal life normal life stuff yep uh hold down a job you know etc etc uh get to class on time um left country victoria after a year came back to to the melbourne big smoke and said you know what i i can do all this on my bike don't have to pay for car overhead and uh look it was a it was a 20 year old ford uh, hatchback <laughs> Ford laser hatchback. It was, it was worth basically nothing. Yeah. yeah. Um, sound investment from that perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, look, I won't bore you with the story, but basically I, I wasn't able to use any of the money that I sold <laughs> the car for. Um, but, uh, but ev- evidently it was going to pay for the first run of, uh, of, of pressing CDs, yeah. which at the time was, um, if you were going to do it in a semi, quality kind of way you had to do 500 so yeah, wow. it was a it was a big investment yeah absolutely. uh for a 19 year old at the time yeah of course yeah yeah absolutely and and you know as a as a as a tap on the shoulder with a bit of pressure i, I like that too that's a that's a that's a cool way of, of framing that <laughs> you, you mentioned the art house and and i mean what a, what an incredible place and all of the the um you know but just for 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 the best part of a decade that that place just even even longer maybe just was such a, an inspirational place for people and and a home for people i'm wondering like you know beyond that and and beyond you know what you saw happening there like when when you were when you were setting up hobbity hoy you know what labels did you look towards or orient towards that were inspiring to you or that you kind of you went yeah i like i like that i like what they're doing there yeah, definitely. Um, so in terms of labels that I was idolizing and, and, and copycatting in many respects to uh, put it, put it bluntly. Um, look, I, what I listened to around that time, that sort of 19, mm-hmm. 20 year old time is very similar to what I listen to now. I think I've kind of looped back a yeah, little bit. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but, but still, you know, branched out a bit, but, um, but those, those bands and, and those labels associated were, were like polyvinyl records from the States who did, uh, did a lot of the, or did all of the, the braid yep. stuff. And, and, yeah, and yeah. now, yeah, quite infamous for American football on, on, I guess the sort of more scrappier, 
uh, side, no idea records was yeah, a, okay. was a big inspiration. Um, like almost every other person in Melbourne at the time, at in that time, sort of early two yeah. thousands, hot water music was a big thing. Yeah, of course. Um, and it was a great gateway into some really incredible bands that just haven't gotten any Jews. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And, uh, just just uh, I, I mean i'm still finding the sneaky odd release on, on on no idea and thinking wow how did that one just like pass me by but their 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 volume their, their output yeah absolutely yeah it was just huge yeah and wide too definitely definitely um and then yeah just kind of keeping with that sort of more polyvinyl um tact uh saddle creek was a big one um i was never really into some of their bigger bands like bright eyes or artists like bright eyes and so forth but i was a big cursive fan and i just okay. loved this idea that they built it around this community and out of this need because no one else was doing what they were what they wanted to be done and yeah. and 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 they didn't know how to do it so they just kind of fumbled their way through oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah and you know it was it was essentially a collective for lack of a better term like a lot of the bands were were were, were key founding uh, principled members and um, it evolved into a lot of different, uh, I guess, iterations. And I was never trying to mimic that, um, but I loved some of the principles that they, uh, they were applying. And yeah. like I said, I just had, had uh, wide eyes for cursive. I thought that they were just the most incredible band and, and, and challenging and, and, innovative in so many ways but still yeah. retaining that accessibility in many mm. senses um and then probably finally uh and look i could keep talking about labels forever so i'll cap it at four yeah. um it's that it's that classic ian mckay discord yeah i wondered right? if that would come up actually yeah like discord specifically for guzzy they just they they, they set off they set off something in my brain like i i, I know that a lot of people were, were sweating it over minor threat and uh, and uh, a lot of the rest of their catalog, but um, that that rights of spring that that Fugazi side of things was just a game changer for me. And so I cottoned onto them a little bit later. I was probably about fifteen, whereas a lot of my friends, uh, particularly in that sort of art house scene, were raving about bands like Minor Threat prior yeah, to yeah. and i was like yeah yeah they're rad they're, they're, they're fantastic but i was looking at i was looking elsewhere as well yeah yeah no yeah I, I did wonder if that would come up that's really really cool um let's let's have a song what's your first song choice okay so the the the, the first song that i've chosen uh is a song by a brisbane band called arrows yeah. uh it's it's titled what happens at a brisbane band that's it <laughs> It's titled "What Happens at a Gift Horse Show," as as you, as you so aptly uh, um, noticed. Another now um, now uh, now finished up. Yeah, uh, Brisbane band. Um, yeah, and a bit of a sad story behind yeah, that one as well. Yeah. Um, look, it had to be an Arrows song for me. First yeah, off, tell me about that. Why? Yeah, so Arrows uh, was by no means the biggest band that we 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 came across um but they were one of the one of the more influential early on yep um they were kind of a bit of a, a lightning in a bottle moment okay. um 
And uh, I mean, their, their, their bassist, Carl, is still a dear friend of mine to this day. He, he actually helped out and helps out with the label from time to time, which is wow. the best. Um, yeah, wow, that's cool. Has a massive Hobbit Ahoy tattoo on his arm. <laughs> wow. Uh, and yeah, he's just the, 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 the bee's knees. He's the best guy. Um, but look, this song's from their second full length, quite a short full length. But um, so the band, we'd already put out a couple of records from the band at this point. This one came out in 2011. Um, but look, I think we got a lot of things right with, with, with doing this record. Like we, we, we took it slow. We built up some hype around it. We decided not to do a pre-order uh and when the record was ready just kind of get it out there it was it was at a time when there was a lot of pre-order fatigue uh on the internet and um we ended up breaking our website (laughs) as a result um because of the demand um so i I didn't really think that one through and it took it down for about two days as well so it was really um wow yeah yeah it was it wasn't great (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but um it's look when when they sent me this song i just had one of those one of those oh my goodness moments where i just felt it i i i felt it i felt it in my gut yeah. i'm not saying that i knew it was going to be big or anything like that but i knew people were going to really care about it and i knew that it was going to mean something for some people um and it did it definitely yeah, did certainly absolutely what and a great band great song
So before the song, Tom, you were talking about um, hobble tattoos. And before we get to that, I'm really keen to find out like how you sit with that. And, and that's a, a pretty big thing to know that there's people walking around with your label's logo tattooed on them. I, I've just got a real practical question about that. How did that come about? It's such a simple, you know, but effective, mischievous, but kind of innocent thing. Yeah, I've got a total love-hate relationship with it now. Um, I see see labels and brands changing their logos all the time and I get tempted sometimes, but uh, I've I've, I've maintained it Um, and I'm I'm glad that I have. Uh, People seem to like it. It's uh, the way it came about was uh, prior to the label starting and I'm talking like two weeks, maybe three weeks before the label started. I... So what? It's like, it's like uh, late 2005. Um, and I got this idea in my head to start uh, a web comic series. And this is coming from someone who never read comic books, who right. can't really draw. Um, but it makes, sense. <laughs> it, makes, it makes perfect sense, right? Um, and uh, I, think, I think maybe it was just sort of a, predecessor before like snarky twitter came along right like i just kind of wanted to vent a little bit um one of the characters was a more or less a direct ripoff of oscar Oscar the grouch that uh sesame street character uh he lived in a bin uh he was pretty surly actually it was it was kind of a hybrid between bender from futurama that uh that robot uh, and, and Oscar, <laughs> but, uh, anyway, he lived in a trash can and I'll watch that or read that. Yeah. 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 Well, look at it. it when, when I say I started this, this comic strip, I think I did like three panels and then I chucked yeah. him the out, right? Like never published it, never anything like that. Um, and, uh, this little guy was, was called Vincent the Viking. Wow. And, okay. <laughs> you know, it was just a really simple drawing that I, that I did in like, some rudimentary equivalent of like Microsoft Paint, whatever it was. It might have been like a cracked version of Photoshop or something at the time. And so I'm, I'm, I'm throwing around this idea of the label, ended up registering the domain on, on New Year's Eve or Christmas Eve or, or a couple of days before 2006. And I'm like, oh, oh, I need a... I had this idea that like I needed a logo and I needed it quickly, even though I hadn't signed any artist. <laughs> um yeah. no one knew anything about you know what I was doing but but I had this idea that I had to had to get it get it done and uh kept you know it was there yeah I kept I kept trying to reinvent the wheel and 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 everything just just wasn't clicking and I went you know what just just do that just just take just take this guy's head um and uh yeah the rest is history I suppose that's such a great you know such a great story and you know and, and yet, you know, down the line now, and you know, I, I, I don't know how many people have hobble tattoos, but I know a lot that do. Yeah, right. I, I, I know of almost 20 by name at this wow. point. Yeah. Um, we, had a, we had our first, I guess, uh, we called it Hobble Day. Hobble Day, yeah. Yeah. And the first one we did, it was basically just a showcase, more or less. And the first one we did was... Uh, Arrow's last show actually or or what was to be their last show uh, up in Brisbane and when we flew up there uh, my wife and I a couple of the people who were going to the show had organised 
at a tattoo shop to get a whole bunch of people together and all get wow. old hoy tattoos, including a couple of guys from the label um, and just, just a bunch of uh, people who uh, I'm, until they cover them up, I'm eternally grateful yeah, yeah, for. Yeah, wow. yeah. so I, I, I naturally had to get one as well. But um, yeah, they're kind of calling you out when they're doing that, aren't they? I, 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 I felt the pressure. I definitely yeah. did. Of course. I, I love that. Like, you know, and, and, and I'm going to talk a little bit about, you know, your mission in, in a little, in a little bit, but I love this, like the, the meeting of what it, what seems to be a really considered approach that kind of was a bit of a slow burn that, you know, that there were seeds planted at, that then along the way, you know, there is a really, there's an element of hobbity hoy that's, that, that is really considered and, and really, you know, well thought out and, and, and well done. And then the happenstance nature of that, like I just, I, I, for whatever reason, like you said, I just need to have a logo. And so bang, there it is. Um, <laughs> and yet it works and it's, and it's really, really cool. I just, I love that. I love the tension between those things. That's, that's beautiful. I, I, I love how you described that. Oh, and, and you can't see this because we're just on audio and people in podcast land can't see this, but I have here uh, uh, a, a postcard, a big thank you postcard that says you rule Myris. Um, and that's not why I'm bringing this up, but it came with a free CD out of the blue and showed up on my doorstep uh, a year or so ago um, as just possibly the coolest surprise. And at the time I kind of was talking to people about, Hey, this record label, you know, just out of the blue, just sent a CD to, you know, um, to say thanks. And how cool is that? And I said, but I did say that I, it, it seems a little bit like, you know, when you hear the big clubs kind of, and they, they'll ring the pensioners and kind of say, Hey, I haven't seen you for a while. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I remember exactly when that was. Um, it was just as the pandemic was kind of taking hold. So uh, earlier this year, um, and I was just looking at, some of our more uh, recent supporters and thought, you know what, how cool is it to get something in the mail? No, ho- hopefully it wasn't <laughs> construed as a hobble pension club, spend more money type thing, but um, just as a general appreciation. Yeah, type thing. And that was firmly said in jest. It was, you know, it was a really, um, it was just a beautiful, a beautiful thing. And Oh, totally. And I, and I guess, you know, I mean, and maybe now's the time, but, but I get a sense that that connection between yourself and your label and your artists and your community, you know, your audience is like, is, is central to this for you as well. Yeah. It's, um, to, to put it really basically, like it's, it's the purpose, right. Um, and it makes having or making informed decisions really straightforward when you've got a pretty clear North star. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and, and and but but I do think it's a, just a really cool thing because not every label's doing that, and um, and it you know it's it's value in action, and that's that's really really cool. And part of the reason I was actually bringing that up is on the back of that um that card is is Hobble's mission, and everyone can kind of find that online if you need to. But the part that I really really like is that your mission is cataloging genre defying music to support more artists and music in the world. And I just have a question about that. So, you know, going back to those first years, would it have been, 
would you have been as, as able to, you know, so clearly state that? Uh, or was it something that took a little while to kind of, you know, crystallize and, and to be, you know, packaged like that? Yeah, no, it's definitely a, definitely a more recent thing. And I, I don't know how I, how I feel about the genre defining term <laughs> because it, it, it kind of comes across, at least in my head, as being um, overtly experimental, which we're definitely not. So I, I, I have since removed that part, but I, I, do, I, do, I do like that you like it. Maybe I'll reconsider it. Um, Again, like the, the, the mission was, was never to release weird for the sake of weird. We're, we're definitely not uh, representative of, of that kind of music by any stretch. But one thing that I've grappled with over the years, uh, and this is why I think it took me a little while to kind of come to that, that mission that you just wrote out, was that I wasn't really sure where we fit the label has never been a full-time yeah. thing for me. Um, output's been very much dependent on the success of the the previous few records. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, with with that with that freedom of of working a full-time job or or, or, or having this as a as a hobby, so to speak, also has its own. Um, restraints like like what I what I just said, and so I would see other labels that I admire and and look up to, and even others that I necessarily did not, and think to myself, why aren't we doing that, or why aren't I doing X, Y, or Z? Mm. And I really wasn't sure how to how to process that because I didn't have a clear idea of what exactly we were doing. It was just this there there are some cool records out there i don't think they're getting enough shine and um or some, or artists or vice versa uh and i need to be a part of it and i need to feel connected to that and this is one way to do that and all the better if i can amplify that to other people right mm-hmm. instead of just playing it in my lounge room <laughs> yeah. and saying this is really cool so i kind of got to this point where i'm like well there's a lot of things that management companies and, and, and certain labels do and, 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 and so on and so forth that doesn't necessarily fit with, with what, what I was planning to do, nor do I have time to do or, or, or choosing to, to focus on, right? That's probably the, 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 the critical point here, yeah. what you're choosing to focus on. Yeah. And that idea of cataloging music um, coming from a very DIY background, coming from uh a uh, a place uh where i thoroughly enjoyed books and libraries and so forth it kind of naturally fit into mm-hmm. how i was approaching music and it was certainly where a lot of the artists that we were working with uh were heading as well so look it's probably it might not be like that forever but yeah. uh it's certainly been the running theme for a long time now and, 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 you know, I love the idea of genre defying and I mean, cause it, it kind of almost just allows you then a wide playing field, doesn't it? Yeah. And look, there's, there's, there's no getting away from the fact that if you are familiar with the label or familiar with the artist, that there is a similarity to a lot of them and you could sort of broadly categorize them into a few distinct buckets but I think the, the common thread 
across all of them is this really strong DIY ethic that, that a lot of them possess and some, and some that still um, are quite, quite true about and, and would, would manifest itself in ways that maybe a fan might not necessarily see, but yeah. Yeah. um, yeah. Yeah, That's cool. That's very Yeah. So, so they're all in, (laughs) even the ones that maybe didn't necessarily grow up on punk. uh, I'm very quick to remind them that uh, you're all, you're all DIY punks at heart. Uh, (laughs) What you're doing to me and what you're saying to me is, uh, is ringing true. Um, The world needs more punks, DIY punks in the post classical world, right? That's it. That's it. Well, that, that look, I I don't want to throw stones, but they're, they're some of the most, punky people that i that i that i know they're they're certainly a lot more uh a lot more aggressively independent than some of the artists that i've worked with yeah 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 they're definitely not commercially driven oh look even the ones that are uh just have a really strong sense of their own aesthetic how they want to present how they want to manage their their art their affairs um and whilst they might get help around that like they just stay close to close to they're they're the they're the they're the manager they're the project manager they're the uh yeah yeah, they're they're playing all the roles and and, same ethos isn't it yeah absolutely yeah yeah and i'm just and 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 some of the things that some of them have done right like we've, we've had one artist that before the record even came out said is it possible in advance to donate like let's let's just run a calculation based on the physical vinyl so we know You've produced X amount. Yep. So we know how much money this could make. Is it possible to donate that all in advance to, to a charity? Wow. And I'm like, oh, (laughs) so it effectively like triples the spend of what we're, what we're, what we're outlining. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and (laughs) I, look, we we talked about it for a while and I, and I thought what, if they're going to do it, why, why can't we as well? And like, how awesome is that? How, 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 uh, I don't want to say selfless, but, but, but yeah, certainly, yeah. um, and just such an interesting concept too. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. So, so cool. Yeah. They're heaps more punk than a lot of people I know. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. That is, that is really <laughs> cool. And the world needs more of that. So let's have another song. What's your second song? Sure. Uh, so my second song is an artist called Owen otherwise known as Mike Kinsella. Uh, so Mike has played under the Owen Monkier for a really, really long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the song's called Everyone's Asleep in the House But Me. Uh, it's also from the same year that we, that we, uh, that we released the, uh, the Arrows record, so 2011. Um, this wasn't deliberate. I tried to get a bit of a bit of a chronological spread across uh, what was going on, but for for the purposes of illustrating, I thought this was a good one. Um, look, Mike, we've done I want to say four, maybe five, de- definitely four Owen records over the years. He was one of the early artists in the catalog um, that brought a lot of attention to the label in within Australia, mm-hmm. an American artist, but um, so we, 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 we were only doing his Australian releases here, but I had an opportunity to release an Owen record right when the label started uh, for a number of different reasons. I wasn't able to do it. And um, 
had regretted it ever since, uh, having been a big fan prior to starting the label. So when the opportunity came up again to to do some records with him, uh, we, we jumped at it. And I guess Owen's an interesting one because I think it's another, it's yet another artist that has such a dedicated and built-in fan base that just keeps growing and growing, but he never really got his just desserts around it. I, I listen to his records and just think, how, <laughs> how is this not uh, yeah. bigger than what it is? And yeah, yeah. You, know, you, you see things like Bonavera and whatnot uh, going and exploding and, and, and as they should, like absolutely, yeah, absolutely. As, as they should, yeah. it always seemed really disproportionate to me that he didn't get uh, more love. And yeah, so uh, Mike uh, was the drummer of American football that since had a bit of a rebirth a few years later. And the crazy thing is, even, even with the, the massive uh, new influx of fans for American football, many of whom were maybe a couple of years old when that record first came out, yeah, yeah. Uh, like a huge young fan, fan base, Owen still hasn't taken off. Yeah, and, right. Yeah, and it's uh, like Mike's toured Australia with, with American football and did a few Owen shows afterwards. And we've spoken to his American label and they say the same thing. And they're just like, they're just scratching their heads going, you know what? Like it's good music is good music and it doesn't always make sense. And yeah, yeah. this is, this is one of those cases where I'm like, you know what, if, if hearing it on this podcast and, 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 and you like it, um, then check it out. I've done, I've, I've, I've contributed a little bit more. right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let's give it some love. Let's do it. Bending reality 
So before the song, you were you were talking a little bit about your artists, and and your your roster has people from like all over the world connected to it in in some way. I don't want to get into anything that's commercial in confidence. I don't want to I don't want to get a magician to kind of reveal any secrets or talk about anything that's kind of that they'd like to kind of keep private. But and also you've got a, that 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 feels like a family, and I'm just wondering how you you manage those kind of interests, how you keep them connected, and and how how you create that sense of of family in a commercial space and are these guys these these artists have they got contractual relationships or is it that discord model where it's you know we've never had a contract it's just this very human to human diy decision making yeah so uh, i guess the first part of your question uh in relation to international artists um keeping that connectivity is is really really difficult despite you know the internet breaking down all that tyranny of distance, it's still insanely expensive to come tour Australia yeah. and obviously way more <laughs> difficult now than, than what it was. So we'd, we'd done four records with Owen before, before he'd come out to Australia and had he come out earlier, would have things been different? Maybe, maybe not. Mm. Um, but uh, having a relationship without the face-to-face um, does certainly have its have its uh, downfalls, whereas a band like this will destroy you, who um, came along from the US a couple of years later, and we did a couple of records with them. Great band, uh, yeah. Thank you. Um, a a friend of mine uh, and his touring company had brought them out in conjunction with us, and he did all of the heavy lifting. <laughs> but uh, things like that really solidify the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, to the point where the next record, their their founding member and, and lead guitarist was wearing a, a Hobbit Ahoy t-shirt in the main press photo for that record. Uh, and everyone's messaging me going, oh my God, have you seen this photo? <laughs> um, and I, I messaged the band and they said, he doesn't take it off, Tom. Like it's the only t-shirt he wears. 
so I don't know how to take that. But um, from the commercial standpoint, uh, yeah, we existed for a really long time as a handshake deal. Yep. And look, nothing ever bad happened, but I did hear a lot of horror stories from friends and, and actually other artists mm-hmm. that without an agreement in place, there could be so much ambiguity around expectations. So uh, around, around 2013, 2014, uh, we started asking artists, do you want just a, um, obviously we, we can refer back to emails, but do you want just like a one pager that sets out, look, this is what we're going to do. This is what you're going to do. Full stop. And, you know, half the band said, don't worry about it or good. Other half said, yeah, sure whatever. Um, and now I, I more or less just insist on the fact that we should have something. And again, it's just a one pager saying, this is, this is what we're going to do. This is what you're going to do. Um, and, uh, look, generally it is, it is what we're going to do. Sorry. Um, and, and use it as a bit of a, bit of a, bit of a reference point. So yeah, look again, it's, it's, uh, and yeah, it's never, it's never been an issue, but I'm, um, I'm also pretty, uh, pretty aware. Never say never. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yet like, you know, one of the things that I also know about your label and you, is that you try really hard to be as transparent as possible with your artists. You're making posts all the time on the, on those you know, days when you can make those quarterly payments to them. You know, when it does sound like you, you back your artists, you know, a hundred and, eight <laughs> percent you know how how specific eight hundred and eight um <laughs> well beyond a hundred it actually makes no difference so you may as well choose eight you know no fair enough um yeah look it's it's it is definitely an intentional choice and i think depending on how you do it um in terms of how you're how you're personifying it and how you're publicly putting it out there it can come across as a little bit naft um i've certainly seen it being done that way but before i was a little bit more upfront about it and a little bit less outspoken um i recognized and even in myself as a music fan right but but certainly our 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 um the people who are who are actually spending the money and supporting these bands um it's important to know that your money is actually going to the bands and yeah this is what this is what it means and um, yes, there's accountability on there because we've got you know, the label saying this, and then you've got half the artists on that Twitter account who can say, Hey, well, wait a minute, Tom, no, you didn't pay me, uh, or, 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 or whatever, right? Obviously, that's never happened, but um, but it I is think industry that there is a lot of kind of cloak and dagger and a lot of behind the scenes kind of stuff, yeah. You know, the, the, the higher up you go in that, the more secretive that kind of stuff becomes. And, and, and also even, you know, you hear those horror stories where, you know, some, some of those, you know, big, big money artists, like they're, they're making different deals with different members in the band. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's just ugly from there. So I just think it's really lovely that you kind of take that approach from the get-go. Yeah. And I think, I think it's quite empowering for, for artists as well. Like it's, it's important that they know that X percentage of revenue actually came from here as opposed to there and um and so they know well hang on a minute does that mean that we need to open our own online store or or do we need to tour less and do do xyz or or whatever that that informed decision is right um if 
you're just told we'll we'll let you know when you make money or or perhaps less bad uh but yeah, equally yeah. as shady uh yeah. you're 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 a hundred dollars in the red or you're a hundred thousand dollars in the red only um, you can do with that information what does it mean right yeah, yeah exactly yeah. so um yeah I, I think i think empowering the artist is absolutely critical to the relationship and that that transparency around accounting um and how money is spent how where money's coming in from and so on and so forth ultimately like that's the one job that the label needs to do better than anything else you can you can outsource your publicity you can do so on and so forth if if you're not doing a good job in that department i would i would question what i was doing uh as a label if 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 i were in those if i was in that situation you know, flash forward a little bit and, you know, you've talked, we've been talking about like financial transparency and stuff. And on the 19th of January, 2018 is, is the day that, that you, with this thing that you set up many years before you took your first, and, and, and these are your words, I believe, you know, you took your first wage and I'm sure it was next to bloody nothing. And, and I don't want to know what it was. And I think that's ridiculous. I don't think anyone like you put, you put a lot of work in and, but what was that like for you? Like, was that a pinch, pinch yourself moment? Surely you never thought that that would have been a possibility. Yeah, it, <laughs> it was, it was pretty amazing. Um, I, I really grappled with it for a long time prior to, yeah. because any, any money that we were, not spending on artists um, or, or, or further development uh, in terms of doing new records or, yeah. or supporting X, Y, or Z was um, where was it going? Right. Yeah. Um, so. And that DIY ethic kind of like, once you have that, you can't not have it. Hey. Yeah, I guess. And I guess, I guess it's, it's a bit of a balance, right. And it's always been to call it a full-time ho- hobby would be an absolute understatement. Like this thing has consumed yeah. <laughs> for yeah. quite some time whilst balancing, you know, being a real, real person and, yeah, and having yeah, interests yeah. and relationships and whatnot. Um, what does that look like every week? Like what, give me a, like we're talking 12 hours a week. Oh, uh, look, I used to be able to, to quote a, a tangible number like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, uh, look, you probably wouldn't be too far off, probably, probably a bit more to yeah. be honest. But uh, it certainly used to be a lot more, but uh, I've got two small children now, yeah. pretty demanding full-time job. And yeah. Um, yeah, actually, you know what? 12 hours is still definitely underselling it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what it looks like from the outside, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, you, you yeah. see the releases, you see how fast they come out, you see the work you're doing, you think, how is that guy doing that? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. you know? um, well, look, you know, the artists do their, their fair yeah. share of heavy lifting as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just to kind of get back to that original uh, preposition that you made, um, it, was, it was a very surreal moment. I had a lot of encouragement from a lot of people saying that if you don't do this, uh, you risk getting burnt out on this and not, yeah. Yeah. Um, not being able to give it your all later on. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I, I guess that was that was kind of the tipping point, right? And um, in the same way that becoming a dad for the first time years ago 
I thought things were going to have to dramatically change around this because it was a very consuming yeah. uh, hobby. And I've heard parents talk like this. I just was able to, I guess, redefine uh, and be clearer, like like the thank you card that you re- referenced before, be really clear about the purpose mm. and be better at using my time yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah, sure. yeah. So, look, it just kind of made sense to um, not – burn myself out for years and years and years without yeah, without it of course and and, and you know just it, it seems like a really good segue talking about burnout like your um your third song is actually our this will destroy you song which seems like a good metaphor for burnout yeah yeah look this 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 record was the second record that we did with them uh called another language the song's called dustism um, but it was at a, at a time where the band, uh, it, it, it came out of the band experiencing a massive burnout mm-hmm. and a, and a, pure, a really dark period, which, um, almost broke the band to be, wow. to be yep. quite frank. The, the band toured this record in Australia uh, it was their second tour in Australia, so the second one that we did with them. And the first time they came around was great. You know, there were a few sold-out shows, but the second time they came around, they were playing multiple shows in in the same city and and selling them out. And it was it was brilliant and and quite weird and strange. But the band were were on the road all the time. They were feeling the pinch, um, and. We, we we did actually talk about burnout on that on that tour yeah. quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, the I, I I guess the one thing that I'd like to highlight is, and it was getting a, a fair bit of fair bit of airtime mm-hmm. uh, pre-pandemic, a little bit during the pandemic, but mental health of artists and how it yeah, was sure. for so long just not spoken about and not really recognised as something that uh is quite systemic yeah uh the issues around uh or the same issues around mental health um i think you know like we we struggle as a society to value art and artists and so you know the the people that that create that you know they're they're even secondary further beyond that definitely definitely uh just play the songs please and uh don't don't tell me about politics or or your own struggles um yeah so Look, it's a brilliant song. Uh, it's it's uh, it's instrumental for those who who don't who aren't aware of the band. It was it was a record that um, we really put a lot behind and are particularly proud of, and so are the band. And in my very biased opinion, I think it's their best record. Um, yep. But they've they've got quite the long catalogue, so I'm sure a lot of people will disagree with me.
so cool. And I'm going to go off script here. And I, is it okay if I choose a song too? Of course. I'm going to choose something off, off Hobbity Hoy number one, Oh Messy Life, Adam Lee's. I'm going to choose Sundays uh, for Regret. And for me, thinking about what I would choose and, and why, and for me, that is like, not only is it like the start of the story, but I think it's, it, you know, Adam Lee's was, you know, most probably better known for being in lungs and. I've just emailed you. Hey, I just emailed you as well. <laughs> so I was, I was waxing lyrical there about Omessy Life and it being hobble number one, but it also being quite, I think, really interesting as, as Omessy Life was Adam Lee's um, of Lungs fame and Lungs being quite a massively syncopated punk slash rock band situation. It happened at the exact same time again. It, it did. I, I mean, is Hobble number one cursed? I think, I think it might be. I'm not going to talk about Adam Lee's. I'm going to shelve that thought. If I put it in, I'll put it in later. It's uh, obviously an out-of-touch music critic kind of question. So talk to me about um, the record club. We're two, re two releases in this year, but this is the second time you've done this, yeah? Yeah, so a lot of labels have done variations on a record club and as we kind of spoke about before the output of hobble to hoy does tend to vary we're not the sort of label where you can go they're going to put out 10 records this year or they're going to put out whatever what, what whatever your preconceived idea is so i always liked this idea of rallying the troops so to speak the <laughs> yeah. people who like who want to get behind it, uh, be a part of what we're doing in a, in a closer way and, and, and being able to, to support that. So for the first time that we did it, I want to say it was a good 
five years ago, it was kind of a bit more of the traditional model where uh, you pay X amount and we'll ship out every record to you. Yep. Um, but instead of doing it on an annual basis, I said, you're going to get the next four or five and they were sequential. So people would get, you know, two within the st- space of a month and then they'd have to wait a little while. And, yeah. yeah. The, the 2020 version, <laughs> uh, I, I, I toyed with the idea of doing that again, but I, I liked this notion that pandemic has really sp- thrown a spanner in the works for a lot of artists who were touring centric. And it's not just, you know, the booking fees and, 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 and so forth, but it's the, it's the, it's the streams and the sales that arise out of those, yeah, yeah. those, those the tours model around that. Yeah. And the, the merch that they're selling at the, yeah. and, and yeah. records that they're selling at the show and whatnot, and all the people that, you know, are, are employed and supported around that. But yeah, certainly from an artist's perspective, the, the, the revenue stream had just completely dried up. Yeah. And there was this kind of thought around, well, there's a whole bunch of artists that are sitting on masters that um, things that they've already paid for or someone else has already paid for that are gathering dust on the shelf, so to speak. Maybe it's, maybe it's, um, maybe it's quite old and hasn't, hasn't, hasn't given, been given a much, much uh, I guess in terms of exposure or, yeah. or maybe it never actually had exposure or, yeah. or it never had a vinyl release or, or, or whatever it is. And then the idea kind of extended, well, what if we were able to get these bands involved and say, hey, we want to kind of shine a light on, on, on some of these. This is a way to, to, to recompense some of the things that I was just, I was just talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also bring you into a, a space, whether it's the label or whether it's the club or, 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 or those just looking from the outside and saying, here are a whole bunch of like-minded individuals. I'm fairly confident that uh, if you like X, you're going to like Y, or yeah. you're at least going to be able to appreciate it. Um, so the notion was that uh, whether they're bands that we or artists that we work with now or contemporaries of those artists, so those uh, artists that maybe they were inspired by or perhaps they've toured alongside, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and looking at an opportunity to do a vinyl release for something that either has never had a vinyl release or, or um, had one a long time ago and it's not been, not been in print yep. and just kind of work it through that way. So um, as, as you said, we're, we're, we're two records deep in them at the moment. Um, the They're first, both stunning by the way. Thank you. Thank you. So the first is uh, the the jazz trio of an artist that we actually work with at the moment called Luke Howard, and we've done four records with 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 Luke. He's a he's a composer from Melbourne, but um, also has a quite notable jazz trio that definitely does not get a lot of airtime. And they put out a record this year, and we thought, you know what, that, this is a perfect example. Um, someone who often gets typecast into a pretty narrow modern composition, you know, neoclassical kind of space. Here he is with an, an absolutely insane drummer who actually idolized growing up Uh, a a guy called uh, Daniel Ferrugia, who's, who's not, um, who's not too much older than me, but, um, and, and a brilliant bassist as well. Um, And, 
here is in, I guess, in a different context where the record almost sounds like there are parts that it sounds like this will destroy you could have written it or yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I don't think a lot of people would have actually given it the time of day had, had uh, we not been able to do that. It would have been typecast as it's a jazz record or mm. I'm not going to touch it because I don't listen to jazz uh, or, 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 what, or whatever the notion is. Right. The second being a band that we worked with quite a long time ago, back in 2008, um, a Melbourne band called Blue Line Medic, who have since, uh, I guess, wound up shop, so to speak. Um, they, they, were, they were kind of hometown her- heroes when I was living in Melbourne. Um, Intensely influential. Yeah, definitely. I think, I think they, they sort of embody a sound that a lot of Melbourne bands tried to replicate but weren't able to. Yeah. Um, but, but certainly, uh, I guess, coloured the, uh, the scene really. Massively, yeah. Absolutely. Massively, yeah. And, you know, they were, they were like one of those bands that went over to the States in, in, in 2000 when that was just not really even considered by, by bands and much less they, they went over to record and they signed to a, to a US label and um, they, they, they really, I guess, carried themselves in, in, a, in a really humble and, and um, earnest way that I always admired. Um, so the time came to, to do this, to do this club. And I thought, you know what, like, there's there's an opportunity here to look at some of their older records not just one for the record club but a broader cross-section of of releases that have somewhat gone forgotten yeah um a little bit yeah spoiler alert i have chosen a blue line medic song for later on so i won't talk too much more (laughs) um uh and 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 for all the reasons actually yeah the yeah you're right the uh the the it's uh it's how would you describe we'll, we'll talk about it later um <laughs> uh and yeah look two to go in the current series um i've got a long list of artists um many of whom more than two that i'm talking to at the moment um so whether the club continues on or if we just release these these uh these these quote unquote special records uh, as part of the the broader catalog um, still remains to be seen, but um, there's definitely a lot out there that I think to kind of get back to the, the, the earlier preposition around cataloging fantastic music for the purposes of preservation as well as. Yeah. Um, there's an element of that to it. I can see. Yeah. But, but also it's not just for, you know, Tom who li- used to listen to them 20 years ago or 10 years ago. Um, a, a really big part of that is is exposing them to to, to new like-minded yeah, fans that yeah, can get a kick out of it yeah and and the funny thing is particularly with blue eye medic even more often than not that's and we've done this a few times before in the past more often than not that's what ends up happening i i, I get more messages and more comments around i didn't know this existed or or this is incredible this reminds me of yeah well, of whomever um I mean, it's entirely feasible just looking at the dates that that some of the people that are now being exposed to that and really digging it weren't born when it came out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah. Look, I was I was certainly not I was certainly not driving a car or anything when it did either. Yeah, yeah. 
But um, and that was the age of CDs and stuff as well. Yeah, and look, I I I, I saw them at a show when I was I was thirteen, and just thought, and they were still pretty young at that point too. Like, mm-hmm. uh, they would have been very young actually. But there was there was something very different about them than the other bands that were cruising around the scene at the time, uh, particularly bands of the same caliber. The 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 sorry, that's a terrible term. Bands that were pulling the same kind of crowds, and yes, yeah. uh, they, they were definitely in a very different boat. And I, and I think I think we had a, I think we had a, something really special happening. And um, I'm sure a lot of people saw it, but I'm sure a lot of people didn't as well. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So as you said, that's coming up. Let's choose another song. You've got Luke Howard this time. Yeah. So Luke, uh, Luke's relationship with the label began about six years ago where <laughs> I, I stumbled across his, his, his first solo record on Bandcamp yep. that he'd self-released. Um, wow. And that's, that's what started that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, got in touch, uh, talked about maybe doing a new record, um, kind of went for a while uh, back and forth uh, and eventually Luke, uh, Luke gave in. <laughs> um, we got him to to the to the to the second hobble day, which was in Melbourne, um, and he brought a full band with him as well, um, which again was 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 very cool. I think it, I think it confused a lot of people who were there to see some more some more rocky kind of uh, bands. Um, but uh, yeah, look, the relationship's been um, been really strong ever since. Uh, Luke since been uh, upstream to a to a major on yep. on Universal. We've been quite fortunate to to license uh, uh, one of his more recent records for vinyl called "The Sand That Ate the Sea." There's a whole story around that being a, a soundtrack that was yeah. for a film that yep. wasn't really a soundtrack. It became like its own thing. And yeah, look, Luke's just an incredibly incredibly inventive guy. Has a wonderful artistic mind as well as just being a great great person and a and a huge uh, a huge asset to, to to the label as well as um a great friend so ladies and gents this is about the time that things get a little bit weird we tried really hard to get ourselves a license to share luke howard's salt flats with you uh, it's a truly truly beautiful song um, and Luke was really, really supportive. Tom put me in connection with him and almost instantly he uh, wrote back to an email request and said, I'm way cool with uh, you using that song, but you'll have to check with my publisher. Uh, and we were unable uh, to get permission to use that song from said publisher. We didn't even get a reply. First, let's define music licensing. According to Wikipedia, music licensing is a business practice by which a copyright holder grants the right to use his copyrighted work publicly. Now, let's define what a license is. Again, according to Wikipedia, it is an agreement between the composer or library acting as the composer's publisher and the person or entity who want to use the song. Um, we tried a workaround. We tried a different song, uh, Shame, Shame, uh, the first song of The Shadow, uh, which Tom talked about in the Hobbity Hoy record, record Club. 
Again, Luke was super, super supportive and, and gave us permission almost straight away and, and assured us that the rest of the trio would be cool with that too. And how's this? Even offered to pay um, for the license processing fee as his contribution to this process and his support of both Hobbity Hoy and um, the, the work that we are trying to do here with the podcast and raising money for Girls Rock Adelaide. And a different publishing company didn't get back to us. That, that, ladies and gentlemen, is the record industry. So, we've got no song here, folks. Apologies about that. We have done our best. Big, big thanks to Luke Howard for being such a cool dude and getting behind this and giving us permission, but um, we just couldn't get it over the line. But in lieu of that, we've been able to arrange something really, really special. So hang around to the end of the episode. Got a really great surprise for everyone at the end of the episode. So chill out till then. Back to the interview. So you mentioned earlier, and I've only got a couple of questions left, you know, um, and some of them you may have already already spoken into. So that's really, really cool. But Hobble just seems to be a label that's underpinned by values. And, and they're really, really key to the decisions that you make. But the way that you make those decisions is in a really considered, you know, way. Um, and, and, and probably that speaks to just why the, 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 the music that comes out is such quality and, and, and everything about it is, um, is the way that it is. Thank you. Yeah. Look, it, it, as I said before, it, it, it guides the decision-making process. Um, and for whatever reason or the other, um, some of those records, which could have been really great, just, or, or were great, just didn't fit. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, you know, it's, it's, you just don't gel with the people. Yeah. And if it doesn't work on a relationship level, this thing's no fun <laughs> to, yeah, of course. to do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause yeah. the entire operation is just built on the relationship, whether it's the, the artist or the fan or, or both everyone else who makes it work as well. Like it's, it's just relationships. Yeah, of course. At the end of the day, absolutely. So before we finish up, let's let's do our last song. And uh, it's Blue Line Medic, as you've uh, alluded to earlier. Yeah, making the Nouveau Riche. One of those, one of those tracks where... Uh... <laughs> it's anthemic, really, isn't it? It's, I mean, so much of their stuff is. Yeah. Um, I've, well before we, we began reissuing their catalogue, I would often talk about blue line as one of those few bands where um in the in the age of cds right i would never skip a song yeah yeah um <laughs> it, it was just end to end like the um, ultimate compliment mm, and like hand on heart i can't say that for a lot of artists yeah yeah um and and they they, they certainly weren't prolific like they they have a lot of output that their, their career span spanned a, a decade so um it was it was a pretty solid level of output. Yeah. The um, I remember at the time when 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 this came out, the band got a lot of flack, even in Australia, for singing with a wow. distinctly Australian accent and yeah, tone. Yeah. And Donnie's got quite a quite an Australian accent too. He's quite a it's quite a unique um, timber. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And so he's. As, as inspired as he is by American music and, and uh, or, or lots of different music, but, but some, of, some of the bands that Blue Line often got compared to, 
you you can't fault him for for trying to do that thing where you know every band was singing with a Tom DeLonge yeah the Australian bands the band were, were were one of their own they inspired me to a huge extent and I, and I and I know a lot of other people as well I remember hearing Nuvarish live for the first time and um again being being quite young <laughs> at a at a blue light disco in in wow. Victoria <laughs> blue line were were playing with with a with a band who uh uh <laughs> a band called super heist but uh i remember thinking like oh my goodness why 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 are blue line opening this show like it's it's uh that that they should be the headlining band. Yeah, of course. Um, and obviously, I knew the reason. Like you know, the kids weren't into it, and, and, yeah. and so forth. The album, the Apology Wars, um, made a big splash in the US. They 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 toured it in in the tiny punk circles that yeah, we yeah. obviously operate in. The a big splash in a very very tiny pond. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, but at a for for a for a Melbourne kid growing up, you know, in Melbourne and, and seeing a, a Melbourne band doing doing that, um, that it felt like a big deal. And um, as I said before, they were doing something a little bit different that was still super accessible and still quite familiar in many respects. Absolutely, um, and I and I think like you know I would also say to that 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 even if that was a small pool and a big ripple. Um, their their legacy is still rippling through Melbourne and uh, and through a lot of a lot of uh, indie music. Yeah, and it, it certainly reframed. Like we did a seven inch with them, uh, two thousand and eight, and it really. So the, the label was only two years in at that point, and it really uh, gave me a lot of perspective in terms of how to work with artists and how to how to how to get to a point where you were all singing from the same song sheet and, 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 and talking the same language, um, even for something as basic as a seven inch for a band that was basically winding up. Like they, yeah. they tongue in cheek said, we want to call it the middle of the end because <laughs> like, this is, that's this where is, they're at. Yeah. This is, yeah. this is us winding it up. Yeah. <laughs> Are you okay to do this? And I'm like, yeah, def- definitely. So yeah, taught, taught, taught me a lot. And, um, the band's catalog wasn't on streaming services. It wasn't being uh, given the attention that it potentially could have got. Um, so really proud to, to, to have a hand in, in shining a bit of light on, on some great work that they've already done. Yeah. It's a really lovely bookend.
I've got one question and that's like, you know, maybe I was going to say, maybe if this could be a sentence, I don't know, but that's, that's a lot of pressure. That's probably unfair. If Hobble had a legacy, if you couldn't put out another record from today onwards, or, you know, if you could put out 150, what would you want Hobble's legacy to be? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, look, I'll probably, you can have more than a sentence. That was unfair. Yeah. No, no, no. You, you're right. I'll probably revisit this idea a couple of times over the next few years if, if we stick around that long. Um, but I think at, at this moment in time, the legacy that I would love to see the label carry through um, is, is one of... Oh, this, is a, this, is a, this is a great question. You're going to have to edit this down. <laughs> I like the pregnant pause. It's, you know. Yeah. Yeah. The label started not because I was trying to 
fill a need or, you know, saw a gap in the market or, or, or anything like that. Um, trying to release my own band or, or, or even my friend's band as like so many labels do, tended yeah. to do it. It started because as I said earlier in the, in the interview, I went to a show, I was 13, that, that show completely unbeknownst to me was at a now, or even then, yeah. very iconic Melbourne venue with a headline band that I didn't know anything about, but went on to really, really like, uh, they were called H block 101. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Um, Sunday afternoon under 18 or maybe all ages show. I think it was under 18 show before really having any context about this, this, this world that didn't exist and going along with a friend of mine. Yeah. yeah. Um, the seeing that other people could do it, seeing what other people were doing and realizing that they were just a couple of years older than me. Um, I could do it too. There's, I, I, I think that sentiment, that ability to say that there's so much, there's so much beauty and, 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 and art in the world that, I don't want this to be like a, a, a DIY you can do it too type thing, but it's definitely definitely heading in that direction, isn't yeah, it? I, that's the feels that I was getting. And yeah. I, I guess even even with all that in mind, right? Like it's capturing a a thing that has been really important to to some people. Yeah. A small group of people, but a really, really important thing to some, uh, including yeah. myself. Yeah. yeah. Um, that might not necessarily fit neat in a box. Um, there are some great, great labels and great other institutions that do a really good job at, at, at capturing a, a particular moment in time or a, a, a particular scene or a particular geographic kind of uh, scene or whatnot. I never wanted the label to be bound by that. Yeah. Um, whether it was genre, whether it was geography. Uh, yeah, or, or or even or even to kind of go against what I just said. Even a moment in time, because I have no qualms with releasing a record from twenty years ago, if if need be. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Is this working? It's, it's capturing that that essence that's important to people. Um, including myself and doing it in a way that is respecting the people that have made the art. It might be amplifying their message or in some cases it might not. It might just be a, a simple matter of cataloging it and leaving it at that, but doing it in a, in a way that's, that's respectful to, to what the artist wishes doing are. It justice. Yeah. And that justice is different for everyone, right? Like, yeah. Um, how's that? <laughs> Dude, that is just a really beautiful way to, to end our chat. It's been a seriously, been a real honor um, to, to talk to you. Like I said at the start, I've long admired the label. 
Uh, it's been really incredible opportunity to, to hear about uh, how, how you run the label and the values that, it's, that it rests upon. I would love to have you back at some point. We didn't talk about cycling apparel. We didn't talk about coffee. I haven't had a chance to talk to you about um, the role that your, your partner plays in the label, which I, I feel is, at least from, from, from the outside, looks like it's also quite integral. Um, and I feel like I want to talk to you again and, and, and hear more about HBlock 101 because I definitely did not see that. So thank you so much, Tom. Thanks, Maris. Yeah, you're right. There's a, there's a lot of different rabbit holes to go down. <laughs> I'm sure you'll listen. I'm sure. Oh, look, I'd, 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 I'd love, to, uh, love to spend more time with you. But thank you for, for inviting me onto your, onto your new series. So there you have it, people. We got it done. The curse of Hobble One could not stop us. The issues with licensing did not stop us. And what a journey. We started at the art house and we went back there in terms of the label's legacy. And I hope you enjoyed the journey in between hearing. I hope you heard some new artists. I know I have every time I've, I've picked up a new Hobble release. It's almost always been a new thing for me. So I've got some thanks. I really want to say thanks to uh, This Will Destroy You uh, and Owen, Mike Kinsella and their you know, respective managers who were really, really supportive and were able to grant us permission to use their songs in today's episode. I would also really like to give a big shout out again to Luke Howard for his instant support of someone that he's never heard before, was completely fine you know, giving us um, permission to use his songs. But again, we just couldn't get that final tick of approval there. And again, a really, really big thanks to Tom because he was such a helpful dude all of the way. And he, uh, he, he went to bat for this podcast to get those songs. So it's really, really important to, to note. One of the things we didn't get a chance to, to talk to Tom about was his charity of choice. Tom has chosen Girls Rock Adelaide, a great organization that do a lot to support women and um, non-binary, you know, genderqueer folk to access or to gain an entry and, and get some support and mentoring and into the music scene. We need that. We need more representation. We need more diversity of voices. And so Girls Rock are doing an amazing job there. As I said, they mentor people. They hold camps, you know, for young women to go and spend time with accomplished musicians. Um, so they've got those role models. And I know Tom uh, and Hobbledy Hoy have done a lot to support Girls Rock previously. They have sponsored positions so that people can can attend those camps. And so whatever we can do to uh, to help that, please, I'd encourage you to do that. Check out their website, donate. You can donate straight there. You can donate through our band camp. Episode three is queued up and ready to go. And uh, we're going in another direction again. Uh, so I'm really excited to take you there. Keep an eye out for that one. In the meantime, chuck us a like on um, More Than A Label Facebook. Um, if, if you want to follow us on Bandcamp, that's another way you can stay in touch. Keep donating to the charities that we've been supporting. If you want to talk about us or share us on Instagram or anywhere that you do social connection, please do. We really, really appreciate that. Get in touch. Um, send us a message. Be part of a, a community here. And please, you know, do what you can to support local independent labels and musicians. Heck, start a label. I would love to talk to you about that at some time. Now, folks, I promised earlier in the episode something really special, uh, and it, the time has come. During the editing and post-production for this episode, I made a what I figured at the time to be a fairly throwaway Facebook post about licensing issues. 
And little did I know just, just where that would, would take me. Somehow, um, through mutual musical connections, my plight found its way to the reclusive Scandinavian neoclassical music aficionado, um, Dr. Fingers Dutt. And uh, he reached out and, to my surprise, you know, took the course very, very personally and, and took some time out of his really busy teaching schedule to record um, an homage, a, a true tribute um, to Luke Howard's Salt Flats. Obviously, there's, there's needed to be some minor tonal differences uh, in order to just um, sidestep those licensing issues. And also, you know, I mean, this really is his interpretation of of that particular piece of music. He sent the accompanying artist statement. His homage is an expression of the current creative zeitgeist. Deliberately chosen tones that have been corrupted by uh, the forces of commercial and legal interest and, and juxtapose those with periods of immense silence. So please enjoy. This is uh, this is a real a real treat to be able to provide you with this experience right now.
music lies in the 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 music lies in the